What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday's Terrace Podcast. I'm going to be and I'll be doing my best to guide you through this emotional roller coaster. I'm joined in Glasgow's hip and trendy Southside by two hip and trendy men. Hello, Tom Watt. Hello. And hello, Craig Anderson. Hello. Today, as is our custom, we'll be going through the weekend's action, a weekend with loads of goals, plenty of drama, and a couple of really, really big milestones as well. Before we get started, we'll have a quick run at some hotties or naughties. Does somebody have one to start us off? Uh... I'll start off a hotty then, since you <laughs> seem to be thinking one, which is uh, non-league teams, um, the Scottish Cup. There were, uh, well, three of, uh, four of them, sorry, got through yep. to round four of the Scottish Cup um, and another couple um, heading for replay. So we could have as many as six in the last 32 of the Scottish Cup, which is quite a lot. And we still managed to draw fucking none of them. Yeah, <laughs> none of our teams did, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, we, we obviously saw um, Bonnie Rig beating Montrose. Um, maybe not a huge surprise, because they were... They're good. Yep. Um, Broxburn um, got a result as well. Um, who, who did they beat? So the top they beat Inverurie. Yep. Is that correct? Away. <sighs> um, we had BSC Glasgow coming from three one down that's, to beat East Fife. That's, 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 yeah. that's, that's the real surprise. And obviously, we've got Auchinleck still floating still around. Still floating. They nearly beat our broth. It was quite a late equaliser yep. for our broth. Um, Brora drew. Brora drew with Morton. And again, they led that game as well. And there is one other team which is East Kilbride who beat um, fellow. Uh, non-league team I can't yeah. remember who it was but <laughs> well done to them so yeah there are more um, Lowland League teams than there are League 2 teams in the fourth round Excellent uh, Players being touted for Scotland call-ups again by their teammates It seems like an anecdotal thing but I'm going to go with it that um, I don't, I can't remember the last time that players were, were touted for a call-up to the Scotland team um, I, don't, I don't know if it's just a general lethargy or, or uh, you know ambivalence around it but Chris Burke for a call Andy Constant for a call and I'm not suggesting that they merit places in the team but it just seems like a, an old school thing to do yeah. that has fallen by the wayside or probably hasn't fallen by the wayside but to my mind it's the first time I've seen it 
uh, in a wee while and there's been two in a week. I'll chuck in another one which was a, a reply to a comment earlier um, suggesting from an Aberdeen fan that Xander Clark should get called up, a guy who basically guided a, a shot straight into the net <laughs> but then managed to pull it out later on, which I thought all of that I found very weird, but we'll go on to that when we talk about the game. Uh, my hottie is Andy Considine, uh, very, very helpfully with that as well, who made his 500th appearance for the Dons at the weekend, which is an incredible number for a guy who pretty much every season uh, seems to be, you know, we should do, we should really have somebody better than Andy Considine in our team. Um, just an astonishing number of astonishing number of appearances. He's right up there with guys like um, Stevie Hamill and uh, Gary Hay as well. And sort of all-time appearance now as well. I think that you have to be a certain level in order to get these records, and you have to be quite good, but not that good. Because if you are not good enough, yeah. you won't, you won't, you'll, yeah. you'll drop down the league. <laughs> yeah, but if yeah. you're too good, you're going to move on. You just um, a really specific point. So, you know, Steve, Stephen Naismith or Greg Taylor, um, clearly better youth prospects for Kelly. And had they said that Kelly would have played. 600, 700 games for us potentially well, um, not Stephen Nees would have fell off but um, James Fowler he just recently got announced as our um, head of football operations or whatever it is managed to he's like fourth in our all time list purely for that reason that he was, he was good but never really quite um, never quite so good that anyone was going to want that, to sign that really sort of perfect tone with Paul Hanlon as well who was 300 400 400, 400 sorry as well yeah. And I'm sure there's another one which is completely escaped. Yeah, I'm thinking there, there was someone else's 400th yeah. this weekend. Um, but please, please let us know how... Scott that, Brown must be close as well. I don't know how many he's played. But, yeah. but there was someone yeah, else yeah. Uh, this weekend. So Andy Constantine is my hottie for being really okay for 500 appearances. Yeah. And, and he, nearly, yeah. he nearly got a winner as well. He did indeed almost get a winner. That felt, before the game I was thinking if I was to gamble I would absolutely have launched money on Andy Constantine because <laughs> he's a big game player in one way or another. I mean, yeah. on, on a related note, I would also like to point out, uh, uh, as a hottie, uh, Home Depot, where I will be buying all my DIY goods from now on um, at very, very reasonable prices. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll round off with, with That's a, a niche one. <laughs> I'll round off a naughty as well, which is just wild homophobia from your dad. Um, today, the SPFL yeah. announced their support for the Rainbow Laces campaign, and as a part of that, changed their, their display picture to one with a rainbow in the background. Which attracted all manner of um, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, um, comments. Literally, I mean, an actual Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve comment <laughs> on the face on the SPFL Facebook page. School. A whole collection of the comments on there, um, including the classics like being rammed down your throat and various other things in there. All all the ones that you wanted to hit in your bingo call, you've got a full house there, and it's utterly surreal. Like, it truly is mad. It's, it's amazing how these like hard manly men who don't like things don't like the way the world's changing and are you know desperate to call people out on these things are so very offended by rainbow releases yeah yeah rainbows <laughs> rainbows are bad and not offended by this but yeah fuck off. i should be afraid of rainbows because it's it's it's, it's gone too far fuck off grow up yeah a less serious or a less <laughs> less uh, socially um, conscious, conscious <laughs> naughty for me is uh, Sky Sports. Um, I was out yesterday where I was down visiting family, so I recorded both of the televised games: um, Rangers Hamilton and the or Hamilton Rangers, sorry, and then uh, St Johnston Aberdeen. So BT Sport had the Rangers game, is that correct? Yeah. Um, so I recorded that, watched that, no bother when I got home. Uh, sped it up once it was the game was by, but I, I watched it. Then I was like, right, I'll stick on um, St. Johnston Aberdeen, watch the first half of it. 
after half time. Oh, here's the introduction to um, Sun, uh, Sheffield United versus Man United because. I had accidentally clicked on the Sky Sports main event channel and they thought that the the right thing to do would be to broadcast the first half of a game then transfer over at half time to a different game. Why why do that? Like, like I'm just I'm just browsing through, so I'm just searching. I see oh live live SPFL St Johnston v Aberdeen record, fine. And then it's only when I get home. Um so get get a grip, Sky Sports. <laughs> um Again, not the world's most uh, hard-hitting, socially naughty, but um, Sam Allardyce. And there's any number of reasons to pick up on, on Sam Allardyce, a couple of which uh, are not Scottish football related, but I'll get to Scottish football related in a second. So Sam Allardyce, who's been out of work for about nine months in 30 years, suggesting that um, being English has held him back. Uh, a man that, like I say, has been in, in constant employment for almost 30 years with a very relative level of success managing teams at that kind of very relative le- level of success. He was literally so, England manager. He was, he was literally England manager. Um, he says he could have managed Manchester United if we were foreign. I mean, I'm, I'm very intrigued to know which of the foreign managers he would have got ahead of. Was it Davy Moyes, Davey Mourinho, Moyes. you know, Van Hal? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um and then suggesting that anyone could win trophies with Celtic. Now, this is the, the kind of point. Like, you know, it's not wrong. Anyone with a decent level of experience would come to Celtic and probably win a trophy given any amount of time. But has he seen the fucking Premier League table in England? However, if you look at Ronnie Dyla, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you look at you could say yes. And we'll get on this when we speak about Celtic as well. Yes. Potentially, anyone with any experience, as you say, could win the league. But similarly, this season, there's a really Celtic are better because Neil Lennon is there. Yeah. Because he has done a very good job. If a Celtic manager came in and had dropped the ball at all, um, then they would be six points behind at this point comfortably. Exactly. It's, it's Celtic are being pushed this year, um, whether it's in individual games like the Livingston game earlier on in the season. Or whether it's by whether it's by Rangers throughout the rest of the season. So yeah, I would just like to point out to, to Sam Allardyce that what actually held him back was uh, taking six figure kickbacks while in charge of England, having spent thirty years building up that job. So sorry, Sam. Excellent. Now moving swiftly on to the weekend's action, uh, we will start at Rugby Park, which was probably the the, the performance of the weekend um, as Kilmarnock smashed Hearts three nothing in fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a very a very funny game because. Yeah, the first, the first 15, 16 minutes, Kelly were tremendous. And then and then we just kind of stopped because we didn't really have to do anything. So <laughs> it was like very much like, okay, we're three and a lot. We'll just, we'll just practice defending a lead now. Um, and that's kind of what we did. Um, and Hearts being terrible, didn't threaten us in the slightest. And we won three now, which in some ways it's like, well, yeah, you could have stood on the throat and, you know, tried to win six or seven now, but... Why bother? Again, I did when I saw the the score after fifteen minutes. I do know that you get very upset when teams um, let let off after being like six up at half time and then don't finish yeah. it off in the second half and go for double figures. I did wonder whether this was a strange scenario for you, given whether you were happy that Kilmarnock had absolutely thumped them in fifteen minutes, or quite annoyed and stopped well, doing it after fifteen minutes. I, I feel like. <clears throat> We we could have gone for it, but because we were a wee bit fragile from the recent results, I can kind of understand just sitting back. And it wasn't like we didn't we stopped trying, but Hearts obviously kind of did did get a reaction, especially after half time. They came out flying um, relatively. Um, <laughs> Dicamona, um, a man who I think must be the worst player at attacking um, corners because he attacked two <laughs> corners. 
both of which he, he made a complete arse of, which was their two best chances in quick succession. Um, I just I just feel like I've got this constant image of the Decamona like crosses coming in and him not like like trying to header it, but then hitting it with his chest. Or it just yeah, his, his, iconic, his iconic image is him thumping the ground in frustration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was that kind of funny type of game, but it, it did kind of lead to actually quite a flat atmosphere in the second half which you wouldn't really expect from a team that was 3-0 up but, um, <laughs> you do have to credit uh, credit Hearts for just deciding to completely ignore Chris Burke <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bold strategy and um, I, I mean I think they got caught cold a wee bit it was very clear from the way we were playing football in that first 15 minutes that Alessio had used the international break incredibly well <laughs> to, coach, to coach the players um, because uh, it was all one touch. I mean, that first goal you just saw it. It was just zipping about. Um, the 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 um, SPFL account tweeted it as if like Brazil nineteen seventy, but there were major similarities to the Carlos Alberto goal. I might try and go home and do a wee side by side of them actually because it, it kind of broke over to the left and then Hamelin and runs in. He plays it to McCreaney and then he's kind of you'd expect him to shoot. Now now where I'm sitting, I'm, I'm uh, on the side where Burke was. So I knew he was there and was kind yeah, of screaming yeah. for him to get the pass. But the event, the camera, the, you see, the behind he, angle he, is he's not there, and then he just a pop, he pops up and appears and then blasts it into the net. And um, yeah, it was it was an incredibly good goal, well worked, and and it was all one touch passing, and you could see that it had been worked on. And likewise, um, the other goals that all came from from good possession and clever, intelligent use of the ball. And this is what I've been saying about this team. Individually, the players are—I mean—they're good, but there's not a lot of creativity in the sense of someone who's going to. There's not an Eremenko, a Gary Harkins, a, someone who's just going to, or a Malumbu even, who's going to suddenly drift by find, and find something ridiculous. But they are very well coached in how to attack and the patterns and the strategies of attacking, which means if a team is not um, coached well when a team's not got their shape right against us, we will punish them repeatedly, and that's what happened because Hearts were a mess. Even the, it's uh, I think my, the, I, I say the, the behind angle that goes amazing and just block appearing from nowhere as you mm-hmm. say, but the good part about it I enjoyed most of all is Rory McKenzie doing a very Rory McKenzie thing of running directly across Hamelin into the opposite side, dragging the Hearts players all the way all the way to the left hand side because they just can't cope with that sort of movement. It's it seems like a perfect role for Rory McKenzie in this heart in, in this Kilmarnock team of just. Rory, see whatever's happening, you just get away from the ball, run away from the ball, stretch the play. I thought probably it was actually Rory McKenzie's best performance I've ever seen from him as a Kelly player, and yet he still was probably a third best player on the day, (laughs) which is a shame for him, but he was was superb, his use of the ball was excellent, but um, yeah, it was just, it's hard to know what to say, Hearts were were just incredibly bad, like, they they keep going on, their their fans keep going on about, oh, they've got a good squad, and when they get the manager in, there's not a single player Naismith accepting maybe a single player on that part that I would have taken in our team that's not good Hearts Hearts look incredibly one-paced as well there's nobody to stretch the game at all there are are reputations in that that squad there are players that have played at a much higher level um, in you know in the Premier League and the Championship in England and around Europe that in theory, their CVs suggest that they should be able to comfortably get out of the position that they're in. The last couple of months have suggested they are in a relegation fight for a reason. Someone will probably come in, make tweaks, bring in players in January, and they will see a bounce. But 
that squad's a mess. The, the, it, the money so, that's been spent on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so the the lack of dynamism in the squad, the way the defenders are, the, the defenders aren't attacking things. I mean, like Aaron Hick is obviously very young, and you can kind of give him, him a gentle pass. Yeah, but like you know, Smith's gone from scoring a screamer against Germany to being absolutely tortured that, and, that, and that third goal like it third just, goal it just, it just remember there was that video of um, and, um, was it Zono Markin wrote a really good article about the anatomy of uh, Virgil van Dijk's 2v1 defending against uh, Tottenham last season yeah. and the two Tottenham players went through and they showed how he showed his, he made the angles and, and made it very hard for them to score and how they they were going, Michael Smith just just literally <laughs> let Chris Bark it was like the opposite of that let, yeah. let Chris Bark run all the way from the halfway line to the edge that of the six yards. He's just trying so hard to. He's like, okay, if, if I keep him on the right, keep him on his right, keep him on his right. I'll just show him outside. Show him outside. He's in the six yard box. <laughs> and, and, and he goes on his left foot and scores anyway. So it's like you, you've achieved absolutely yeah. nothing here. And and you've got like Christoph Berra's style of defending is effectively boiling down to one of two decisions: do I hit this or do I leave it? And he's making the wrong decision <laughs> almost all of the time. Like. So I, I think there's a, there's a hell of a coaching job in there to to get anything between you know certainly now in January and presumably there'll be a a, a rethink in January but it, you know they're they're one of the worst teams in yeah, the league. Yeah, they absolutely they? are. They absolutely are. They were they were awful even when they were kind of came out after half time briefly and like obviously McPhee had um, or someone had put a rocket up them even at that they, they weren't that good they were just not as bad uh, Glenn Whelan the third best Irish midfielder on that park is the one who's still in their squad um, was, was terrible I've, I've, he barely managed to find a hearts player with the ball it was just constantly either to our full backs or out the park Uchi no talent at all Just, just he's a big boy but he, our defenders just realised just stand off him just let him get the ball even if he gets past you he's so slow that you're going to get back and get past him again just, just offer nothing, and um, Pereira seems to like fall under every single one of the goals. So just, just everywhere across that team, there was nothing inspiring. Um, and and yeah, and the, the Kelly performance was vibrant, and then did enough, and then just stopped essentially. Just I mean, all all the Hearts players that are there, with the exception of obviously Michael Smith, being generally is the one that you can hang your hat on and say he has improved while he's at Hearts. He's a good player. He's consistent. There's not a player in that Hearts team just now you don't look at and go that they have actively regressed as footballers since they arrived in since they arrived in Gorgie. And as you say, <clears throat> while there's a there's still a lot of the season left to go and there are some teams who we'll get onto later on who are really struggling just now as well, both form wise and player wise. Again that leaves Hearts going into January, probably as the biggest spenders of needing bodies in various yeah. positions, as everyone else does as well. And I think in- you sometimes get a you sometimes get a new manager in who makes the previous regime look really good, and you realise actually you know he was really wasn't, wasn't far head. away from it. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. He was keep, kind of keeping them head, their head above water. They were they were batting above their average, and they, they maybe made a knee jerk decision, and the new man's not there. And not to keep kicking Levine, but whoever comes in is going to make him look very very bad <laughs> without too much work. No, that hearts are they look a long way off. They will probably. With it, like the, the sort of people that are being linked to the job, someone will come in, make enough signings to make a bit of progress. They do have talent there, that talent admittedly that has regressed and that hasn't been showing it. But there are, 
there are there are footballers in there somewhere with some tweaks. There'll be a better team, and it will make these last few this last year look pretty bleak. So from one Edinburgh side that's absolutely doomed, we'll go to the other Edinburgh side who's possibly not, um, as Hibernian came from a, a goal down against a, an early Motherwell strike from Liam Polworth, with goals from Deutsch, Camberry and Daryl Hogan at the end. Um, yeah, I was there on Saturday, it was an absolutely miserable day. Shout out to the Hibernian stewards <laughs> who waited until half time when I was absolutely soaked to open up the bit of the stand so that we could actually sit in the dry bit. So that was good with wet bomb, wet head, wet everything. Um in the end, I thought we were kind of broadly worth a point, but in the end, I, I can't really, I've got no real great complaints about it in any case. Um, mainly through the absolute failure of Motherwell to defend in the slightest. Um, got a goal up, Hilton given, Hilton gave Naismith a fairly tough afternoon, generally. Um, and now looks a bit like he's kind of bedding into being a, a, a Scottish Premiership player. He obviously burst on Boston Flames in the uh, Betfred Cup games against Morton and looked absolutely tremendous but since then they've looked a little bit naive and not quite up to speed physically and pace wise he undoubtedly has a good touch and a good ability with the ball at his feet but he just needed a little bit more game time and I think we're just about getting to that as well um, <clears throat> who went past Naismith clipped the ball across, came back out to Polworth who fired it in and again Motherwell looked good value for us at that point but um, followed this up with two absolutely horrendous bits of defending which is good um, the advantage that Motherwell have going forward is that currently we're playing sort of two strikers across the front three and Long and Cole with Hilton out on the left hand side which is great because it means we have a lot of striking options and the Cole and Long are capable Saturday wasn't a great example of it but are capable of interchanging reasonably well the flip side of that is that both of them are suspect defensively in terms of tracking back you saw that with the first goal um, as Long just completely failed to track his man altogether. Um, and in the second goal, we had uh, Maguire and Campbell standing next to Florian Camberry for roughly 10 minutes in the box, allowing him to step away to get his goal. So, I, yeah. did, I mean, he did like fully hold down circle to put that one in. He oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thumped it. And we were, again, we were right behind it as well, and he absolutely smashed it into the net. Um, yeah, a bit disappointing. Motherwell in the second half. Um, gradually pulled off ball winners in midfield and Campbell and Maguire bringing on more people to try and score a goal and ultimately that's the third goal what are you going to do by that point we were trying to go and get a point of the game or try and win the game Something uh, Horgan breaks with a ball from Manners there's not really a huge amount you can do more from that it's, for me it's, it's kind of unforgivable in that respect and that we were ahead in the game we, you've done the hard bit you're winning the game and then you give away two dreadful goals yeah it's I think that's been that's been it for Motherwell this season. You, you watch them and they're an exciting team, but they have, a, a, for me, they do have a slightly softer centre than they've had in the past, which is strange when you think that a lot of the time in the midfield they're actually playing, you know, a defender. It's yeah. been Donnelly, it's been Maguire, it's been yeah. these guys in there. But you, you saw against Celtic, where okay, they, they, they were pretty in the game, but then got beat five five two in the end. Yeah. So just there is that kind of softness, even again against Kelly when when they they did deserve to win the game. They gave up a couple of really big chances at the end of it, which you don't, you wouldn't have expected from Robinson's teams in the past. Like it was maybe a bit more of a toil to watch, but when when yeah. they got ahead, they were hard to yeah, catch you, you, back you're up. You're gonna with. have to fight your way back into the game um, to begin with. And 
Yeah, especially allowing um, allowing Dodge to get what what isn't his goal for me. I, I don't. I genuinely don't <laughs> I, think. I, it I is. don't think it's on target. I it's, genuinely. I think. I think he's clipped it across. He's the missed box. an absolute yeah. sitter, yeah. but <laughs> unlike in the past when he's missed absolute sitters, this one's gone in. Um, it, but as people have said, he's been getting in the positions, and that's fine. But up until now, he's been getting in the positions and not looked like scoring. He obviously gets his his hat trick previous prior to the the break. And then, if that's going to be his goal, well, fair play to him. I don't think it is. Um, it won't be counting for me. Um, <laughs> but he's he, he may be persisting with him. He's starting to pay off, or maybe it won't. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> it's just I, as equally, he could go in and miss it again next weekend. I think it's fine. I, I, Dodge looked okay, and I think Dodge with having Cam Berry floating around the box as well makes a big difference. I think that Cam Boyge, Cam Boyge. I think we're going to go with Cam, Cam Boyge. Boyge. I think Cam Boyge is is, is, is the way to go. Um, I think that's better than Doy Berry. I think. Doy Berry sounds awful. Yeah, Doy Berry doesn't sound like an awful lot of fun. It sounds like something you get in a smoothie. I think like it is. <laughs> yeah. Superfood smoothie. It's a superfood smoothie. Doy Berry. I think again, again, Cam Berry back in the hips team makes such a difference. And without, again, being unkind on it, I think getting one of Stevie Mallon or Scott Allen out of the hips team makes a big difference as well. Um, your man, Melker Halberg, is an absolute baller as well. I thought he was absolutely tremendous throughout the game. He added... Um, well, not necessarily a lot of steel to the Hibs midfield, and I think in a, in a sort of square goal, I still think Motherwell would come out on top in that. But he is—he plays with his head up more than anything else. His recycling and moving of the ball around the middle of the park makes such a difference because he's doing, as, as daft as it sounds, he's doing the really simple things in the Hibs midfield, and they've not really had anyone this season that has been doing that. His passing's very accurate, as Hibs social media pointed out before the game as well. They put up a thing with his. Uh, passing from St Johnston it is just sensible passes is capable of doing an awful lot more than that as well but as with the job he's got in the Hibs midfield to just keep the ball moving do sensible things in there don't do anything ridiculous because they don't need that you've got Scott Allen to do that and giving Allen the freedom there was two or three times that Allen just started sliding shrew balls through to various whether it was Canberra or whether it was through to Dodge he looked very, very dangerous. I thought Joel's piece on him at the end of last week was maybe a bit too much calling him the complete playmaker, but I think there might be something there. And for Jack Ross, it's kind of an ideal start to his um, Hibs career, as you're saying, Tom, as well. Like somebody coming in and you're looking at it going, the previous manager maybe being a bit hard done by it. In the end, I don't think uh, Hecky no. was, but the recruitment isn't as bad as potentially has been made out to be. Yeah, and I think if you could write if you write the sort of textbook version of what like a pretty decent side that's bereft of confidence and they get new manager in, that was pretty much what yeah. happened. I mean, um, it looked like they'd been told to keep it pretty simple. It looked like every player knew what their job was. Um, I mean, there's no way in hell they would have won that three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, they, you know, like they were, they were get, you know, they were throwing away so many leads. But you know, to go to go go behind so early on, and didn't phase them whatsoever. Um, everything just seemed a bit more deliberate. Um, yeah, I mean, like the the recruitment, uh, the the question marks of the recruitment are where the players were brought in. I think largely, but ultimately, you know. Dodge especially was was the player that um, Heckenbottom kind of went to the board and, and asked special dispensation to sign him, got him, and he was horrendous for him. So that it's a difficult place, it's to, a come difficult back place to come back from. Um, 
but you know he's now got a few goals whether or not you're not all not certainly got three in the last few yeah, games yeah. I'm not sure we're giving him the, the other one the, the Craig Anderson Jubilee Goals Committee um, the Dodge looked good I mean uh, Naismith had, had a tough time of it but he looks like he looks like a better threat going forward he looks like he has someone covering him when he does he looks a little bit more solid defensively or certainly did and, and Helberg just like composed unfussy uh, they and that was the big that was the big void for yeah. for Heckenbottom's teams the, like, it was trying to fill the he was trying to fill the team with creative players and, and goal scorers and there was just there was nothing protecting the defence and nothing just keep, keeping hold of the ball so it kept coming back at them so there was just the, the like, I, I wouldn't you know, Jack Ross deserves credit. How much of it's just a new manager bouncing? Anyone would have would have got that. I'm not sure. Time will tell on, on that one. But certainly, it looked like he'd come in. He'd asked them to keep it simple. He'd asked the players to do what they're good at, and they did. They certainly seemed an awful lot more resilient in that second half, which Motherwell had a lot of the play and a lot of the ball, and they didn't look particularly again, partially because Motherwell couldn't finish anything at all. But they just didn't look particularly flustered at any point. It was everyone was being very sensible and doing the right thing. So I think from from Rossi's <clears> point of view, like. Every time uh, Craig, Craig Telford obviously interviewed a lot of lower league players that have played um, under him, and everything you heard from every single one of them was about how great a man manager he was. Um, tactics and stuff you never heard so much about, but just how, how he made the players feel great. I, I have no sense of how whether he's going to do well or not in Motherwell, because uh, sorry, Hibs, because I don't know anything. I don't know tactically how good he is. He yeah. didn't, you don't have to be tactically very good to win the championship, um, which he did with St Mirren. That, that did all seem to be down to um, man management. He went to Sunderland. It didn't go great for him, but uh, Phil Parkinson has already lost more games than he has. <laughs> um, so, and that that's pre- that's a pretty good achievement in one month compared to like uh, a year and a half. Um, He's got like the, something like the, the highest win percentage of. I know win percentage is like a damn yeah. statistic, especially when you're in League One. But the highest win percentage of any Sunderland manager is about 1933. Uh, um, but but so it's h- hard to tell. But you think with those if you're talking about low confidence. They do have, I think, in general, quite a few players that have a good, a good attitude, the right attitude that will probably yeah, there's, there's, respond there's, well there's to. There's enough them. like heavy boys yeah. in there as well to, to to help them with that as well. Cool. So we'll move on to uh, Celtic Park, where Celtic thumped Livingston four nothing with uh, goals from Edward Brown and a double from Forrest. It is. It does seem a bit mad that in a game where Forrest had a double and Edward scored and Scott Brown got another goal somehow. Um, that Frimpong is kind of the standout as the right back now what, yeah. what I'm beginning to wonder with Frimpong is what is the catch here yeah. is it that his shooting is terrible because that is true that is undeniably true but what's the catch with Frimpong here we've not actually seen him defend yet though this is true like no, nobody's no, he's, he's played well in lots of games against teams that have gone to Celtic Park usually because that's usually where he's played. Yeah. he did play against Aberdeen when they were absolutely insipid at Pataudry but <laughs> Um, generally he's not had to defend very much um, so we don't know how good he is at that but from an attacking point of view he's dynamite he's so good to watch yeah I mean I am not a Celtic fan I would go as far as to say I actively dislike him dislike him but he is a lot of fun to watch like, he's he just, great fun there's, there's something particularly satisfying about like seeing a full back go past his man and go up the line like <laughs> up the byline and you're like what's he going where's he going he's still going he's still got it uh, like he's, still, he's a lot of fun 
Um, and yeah, like you say, we've not, we've not heard a lot, we've not seen a lot about him defend, uh, defending yet. But if you're doing that going forward, and you can't, he does cover the ground, he does yeah. get back in. Well, it's a, if, some, if somebody goes past him, he's just going to catch them anyway. I know. Realistically, yeah. But for, for and for like a guy who's like what five foot five, five foot six, he like he bounces off people and gets back up and goes again. Yeah, uh, yeah there's he's great fun. What I would say is worth a watch as well is the his post match presser with uh, Scott Brown, and the two of them are just having a chat to the Celtic TV presenter. And asking 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 Brown about Frimpong and he's settled in the team and he, he's doing really well. And Brown's like, yeah, totally deadpan. He's like, yeah, he's great. We love him having him around. He's uh, brought a lot of energy. He, he buzzes around all the boys and stuff like that. And his shooting's absolutely terrible. And just you see Frimpong's face next to him, like, you fucking. <laughs> did, did anyone ask him about uh, the Alzheimer's? No, this time? no, 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 no one asked him about no, no, no dementia uh, chat this time. It's just uh, a shame. Uh, I wanted to find out more about. Uh, Jeremy Frimpong's views on uh, and even that he, I thought he handled that really really well just being like I mean I, th- I don't really know who's going about it I'm an 18 year old man who has never thought about it um, I thought um, it was interesting again that um, Hayes was still picked ahead of Taylor maybe suggest Taylor might get a shot in the Europa League game in midweek or maybe yeah. suggest he won't get a shot at all who knows well again he's, he's came off and, and, and Taylor, Taylor came, came on, on and again and looked, a, a, yeah. looked a threat attacking just, just a defensive player though um, as people keep keep telling me have, despite having seen him do literally spend his entire game camped in opposing halves for a year and a half it's fine, um, it's fine. not that I'm bored <laughs> by it Um yeah, but um, it's, it's hard to pick much. As Livingston, they were quite short in numbers going into the game. They were um, Taylor Sinclair came in for for um... see just on Taylor Sinclair, right? See, even without looking, I'm not. I'm going to go back and look at Y Scout because I think it'll be a good laugh. But see, if you watch Taylor Sinclair, even on the SPFL highlights, which are what like four or five minutes long, his positioning is absolutely appalling. <laughs> he genuinely looks like. A Sunday league player who's been like or a shot of bodies or my mate does a bit of like cross country running she's quite fit do you want her to come down yes sure we need 11 bodies just stand at left back and he's literally just standing around there's a bunch of times I think it's Forrest's first goal he's not even in shot <laughs> you're left like the, all the players come down the right hand side it's Frimpong that's come down the right and had his shot Forrest is in at the box as well and throughout this entire passage of play Taylor Sinclair isn't even in shot, and as Forrest lashes it in, Taylor Sinclair comes to the edge of the box. The ball's been in the air for about five minutes before it comes down for Forrest to hit it. He's nowhere near it. He is. It's it's worth going back in and having a look at that because it is genuinely jaw dropping because he's nowhere near it at all. I mean, I think there there is a there, there's obviously caveats whenever you play Celtic, especially as they're playing at the moment that they are going to like absolutely turn teams over. The worry, I think, for Livy was when they beat Celtic, which is only the, the only time they've won in the last couple of months. I mean, they have had a pretty horrendous, yeah. uh, pr- pretty horrendous fixture list. But when they when they beat Celtic, they were so compact. They were like they were like, throwing bodies at things. There was times there was like nine men in the box, and there was three men between you know line of sight to the goal, and they were able to go long. And because Celtic were playing such a high high defensive line, they were getting a lot of joy going in behind. This seemed like they were playing a high defensive line and asking the forwards to drop deep. So they were basically playing with the sort of like all ten outfield players at times between the sort of like, with like within twenty yards, 
So when someone goes past his man, as someone is going to do quite a lot when you're playing Celtic, they were just running at the centre of defence. Yeah. And the the worry for Livy is they, they've had so much success with being solid and slightly chaotic, but certainly since Gary Holt came in, a lot more disciplined and throwing bodies in front of things. But Celtic got at them right through the middle. Like they got at them on the sides as well, but they got at them right <laughs> through the middle and could have scored an awful lot more than, than they did. So the it's, it, it kind of seemed to be a case that Livy were they were struggling a bit, but they were waiting for Dykes to come back. And now Dykes come back, they've lost Lithgow as well. So yeah. the, the squad is just so thin that while there are bodies that can come in and, and contribute to various places, I think losing Nicky Devlin has been a huge mm-hmm. thing for them as well. Because um, Jack McMillan had been playing on the left with Devlin on the right, but as soon as Devlin's gone, McMillan's had to go to the right, which means they've got to go for Taylor Sinclair, who's come in late, or a Dauphin, who looks slow. Pepe seems to be injured despite not actually playing any games of football level. So I think just they are really struggling for numbers just now more than anything else. Yeah, and they have had a horrendous run, yeah. run of fixtures. Uh, so from the league leaders to the team that's in second, um, Rangers had it headed to Aki's on Sunday morning and won 3-1, um, despite looking very lacklustre, I think, through for, for big periods of the game. The first sort of 15 minutes, I thought Rangers were quite impressive. More than anything else, just as how high their fullbacks were playing, which was incredible. Um, got a goal ahead and then kind of stopped playing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of credit actually to Brian Rice. Um, yeah, I yeah. I thought even though they were not good enough to take a point from the game, I thought Rice set them up perfectly for the game. Actually, I thought um, you saw them with the, the, the kind of four four in the four across the middle, or, or, or that's kind of how it looked a lot of the time. And then Davies was dropping quite deep from centre forward, and then they had it wasn't Ogunpo up front, and then they brought um, Oakley. Oakley on, and um, they looked better when he came on because Ogunpo was rotten. Ogunpo um, was sort of Umar Sadiq levels of incompetence um, there. But Davies was disruptive. He was just. It was maybe didn't get tight enough to Ryan Jack, which he might have been asked to do early on, which meant Jack had the, the freedom of um the freedom of Hamilton to stroll about and, you know, um well, he scored and, yeah. and, and other bits and bobs there. But I felt just in general, the way they set up, there was lots of running, there was lots of the shape was good. They were funneling Rangers wide a lot and letting them cross the ball, which is considering they've got two of the best crossers in the league at fullback, um was an interesting strategy, but the the central players were all dealing with everything because actually like, well, Defoe's not necessarily going to win a lot of headers yeah. um, so you're, you're relying on late runners which they didn't really have so it kind of worked in that respect um, just that and I've said this before when people have talked about well, how come Aki's are one of the teams that don't ever seem to get results at home against Celtic and Rangers it's because they don't have any quality they, they, yeah. their shape can be good and they can win other games based on that shape but you come up against a better team you don't have the quality you're, you're going to get found out but I thought Rice would be delighted with how they played. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think all oh, that's very fair. I think they, they had their chances, and what's, I mean, it was it was uncharacteristic. Like, like you say, Hamilton have had a real problem when they, whenever they played Rangers or Celtic because of the the, the, the golfing quality. Um, they they got the tactics spot on, and where they were uncharacteristically uh, un- unlike themselves is Hamilton are very good at taking chances. Like they, they have the best shot conversion, the best chance conversion in the league at 19% chances um, because, and that's largely been why they've stayed up for so long. Like they've got a... Because they've got three chances they a season. They three chances a season and they take them, exactly. They have 
a handful of strikers that will score three goals a season, but those three goals will be vitally important and be worth seven points or something like that. So the only real surprise was they did create a couple of really yeah. guilt-edged chances at 2-1 at down uh, and didn't take them. Um, but I think Brian Rice will be very very happy with how they played. Um, they set up well. They, they did have to kind of feed on scraps and they did ride their luck because it did look for the first yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It was like, they are good. Even before that, if, when you saw the lineups, you're like, they're going to get... It's a bold lineup. Um, but no, after they kind of weathered the early storm and they got their equaliser, they were they were in it and it took... A, like Ryan Kemp was yeah. exceptional and it took an exceptional goal from, from him um, and a kind of breakaway goal at the, at the end to, uh, to, to see them off. So yeah, they they do deserve a bit of credit. I think as well, and the, there's been an awful lot of talk about the uh, Mikel Miller miss, but I think a good deal of credit has to go to Glenn Kamara in that as well because it's the very yeah, of touches. Yeah, yeah. You should still score. Yeah, a better right? player than Miller still scores, but yeah, it, it did just make it. It just move it a tiny, like it move it a degree in the wrong direction. Yeah. And take it off his toe. I was really impressed by uh, Luke Southwood as well, uh, making his, his debut for that. He's yeah. um, on loan from Reading. Um, I thought he was really because my assumption about any Aki's reserve keeper is that it's going to be like um, your man Fulton. Fulton, that was that was against Rangers, wasn't it? And yeah, he was, he was diabolical. Yeah, I just kind of assumed that that's what all Aki's goalkeeper. Like in my head, in my mind's yeah, eye, that's yeah. what an Aki's reserve goalkeeper looks like, <laughs> or like his second choice goalkeeper. But I thought Southwood was very good uh, throughout that as well. And again, while Hamilton was possibly. Fault for the or Hamilton was at fault for the the first goal as well. I thought he handled himself very very well. And there's there's sort of two or three bodies in that Aki's team that are just so young. Mm. You do kind of forget that. What I thought as well was I I was really impressed by Davies in a way that generally Aki's seem to have a particular player who will drag them through games and always have done. And as you say, the chance conversion is very good, but there always seems to be whether it's Alec Neal, uh, Ali Crawford. Uh, Alexander Decaul as well was terrific for them as a centre forward just dragging them through games um, Greg Docherty's energy in midfield I do wonder whether maybe Steve Davies he looks just that little bit sharper and and fitter at this point um, ever since he started hanging out with Gary uh, really um, but he just looks that sort of he looks that sort of guy that as you say will get them four or five goals this season and every one of those four or five goals will be absolutely vital in order to keep them up um, but yeah, I was, I was really impressed by him. Um, another big performance of the weekend was St Mirren, who came from a goal down to take three points against Ross County. Um, Ross County in free fall uh, at the moment, unfortunately, uh, for them. But uh, yeah, soon after, St Mirren looked really good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, um, as Craig Fowler described it as like a throwback to the 80s, yeah. I think, the mm-hmm. game, just in terms of there not being a lot of... Um, Precise football, it being quite uh, back to front and um, just, a lot of blood and thunder. Yeah, four four two with two wingers on yeah. either side. So, like both sides are obviously. I mean, St. Bernard and Ross County will have their targets throughout the season and games that you particularly look at. So we're going to win that, and both of them obviously had a big circle around this in the calendar, <laughs> yeah. a big red pen going. We're going to win that. Yeah. We're going to win this game. And there all seem to be at least 14 players in shock at <laughs> any, any one point. Um, but, but actually, a really great piece of quality for the opening goal. I really loved that finish yeah. from Brian Graham on the outside yeah. of the foot. It was, um, he's having a great season. Yes. Um, 
the amount of goals that he scored and, and actually a lot of them aren't counting for much because they're yeah. still losing yeah. games but um, yeah he puts them ahead and yeah they they had a couple of chances at that point that you know earlier in the season they were maybe taken when they were they were kind of getting yeah, results, but, and, results and then um, both of St Mirren's goals I, I had no idea they were two different players McLaughlin and Foley <laughs> I've not seen a lot of St Mirren but I think they both blended into the same thing in my head so um Fair play to them for actually being two different people, um, which is as much insight as I've got on them. But yeah, I think I think what what shone through was even even without Broadfoot, um, St Mirren were just that wee bit better organised, yeah. and that maybe was what um, I did. I did one. We talked about Brian Graham a, a few weeks ago, I think, and I, I was surprised to see him start the game because to me it makes more sense to have Lee Irwin start the game, and then you bring on Brian Graham to get the goal yeah. when you need it. Which, I mean, ultimately doesn't really matter. Three of his four goals this season have been in the last what, 10 15 Yeah, it seems a bit odd. I mean, Lee Irwin's possibly just a wee bit more mobile and maybe a wee bit more able to rough up central defenders for the first hour and then Graham coming on at the end. But I say, obviously, both teams had, had teed this game up as let's just go win the game and then and take it from there. Um, defensively, both teams were. Interesting, um, as Fowler highlighted to us both, and again, we're looking at it today. Both set halves, both both Minnesota center halves and both Ross County center halves looked like they could have done with just a good bit, just an extra body just standing in front of them. Particularly when one of the Ross County center halves is Liam Fontaine, who looks very much like he's struggling. Um, I think that's if you're looking at the two teams at this point. Ross County is probably the ones with the bigger fear just now because St Mirren potentially give the impression that they are a little bit more solid. I don't know whether Ross County have got the bodies just now to be more solid and be more defensive to get a grind to I, grind the result out. I want to say the Ross County fans will not ban us saying less time vlogging, more time playing, <laughs> um, in, in the in the spirit of the the Rangers fans from uh, from twenty thirteen or whenever it was. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, Fontaine just. He doesn't. It's, it's, it's easy to forget he's not actually played in the top flight that yeah. much because mm-hmm. most of when he was at Hibs was was in the Championship and, and yeah he looked good there but it is the Championship. Um, There's a reason it's yeah, the all um, And so yeah, it's interesting. But I think I think that Ross County team they've had there. Um, it's kind of that typical promotion promoted team thing. Um, which didn't happen to St Mirren last year because they were just beyond awful. But um, the Ross County have had that traditional promoted team thing where they look good when they come up. They're a wee bit of a surprise, and then teams look at them and go, "Actually, we can, we can. They're quite predictable. We can work them out." And they, then they seem to have gone with like every possible pairing of central midfielders that they've got, and neither of them, like none, none of the various pairings they've tried, look particularly solid. I think. I mean, I, I think they will probably be okay because they will not be as bad as someone else. Um. But I don't think that someone else will be St Mirren because I think St Mirren's, St. Mirren's home, like for, for where they are in the league, St Mirren's home record is excellent. It was only the second goal they'd conceded this season um, in the league at home. They've, I think they've only lost once, and that was to Rangers. It's like, you know, that was the Larisic last minute free kick, yep. which, you know, if you're going to lose, fair enough. They do look a lot, they, they weren't, at times it was a little bit more chaotic than they have been uh, this season, but. They, while they don't have an obvious goal threat from one one channel, they are getting goals. You know they are spreading them around, and they do look a little bit more rigid and solid, and like players know what they're doing. Um, I, like I say, I think Ross County will be okay. One of the reasons 
I think they they have one of the things that the rivals round about is is strikers that various strikers, yeah, assorted strikers that will get them goals. Uh, moving on from there to our final game of the weekend, uh, we'll go to the, the Battle of McDermott Park, which wasn't really a battle, it was just suggesting <laughs> one, Aberdeen won with goals from Cosgrove and Kennedy and two of the most stick-on red cards you'll ever see in your life. I, I, I don't understand. What, what were they doing? The, the, the Davidson one, I can vaguely mitigate, despite how appalling it looked, because he was just slow. Yeah. He, he got the, it was, It's that sort of classic, he got there as quickly as he could. Um, it just happened that that was about two steps behind where he needed to be, which I suppose sounds about right for Murray Davidson at this point. It was as bad a tackle as I've seen in a while. <laughs> um, the one after that, I have no idea what Henry was doing, but if you have a look online at SNS, you'll find a picture of Callum Henry like grinning in Lewis Ferguson's face. Is this like a, a, a like a our dads don't like each other move like our dads fell out or something when we were both Rangers players and I'm going to sort out his son for him yeah it was I mean I think Henry there was this foul that it should have been given just before yeah. um, and that probably influenced him to some ex- some extent that he was kind of fired up but it's just it's just stupid your team your team's just equalised you had a chance of winning the game Murray Davidson's already blew that for you let's hold on with 10 men or no let's Two minutes later, <laughs> yeah. having just came on the park, get myself. Like every, everyone take a minute. No, it almost if he thought he could get away with it because they just had someone sent off. Like I don't know, send he'll not send the second one off, but oh, they did. And yeah, Aberdeen, Aberdeen. I think I think we'd argue McInnes's Aberdeen is exactly the team yeah. you would want to play with against if you had nine men. Kelly played against them. Obviously, ended up with eight, um, but, but but played a fair chunk of that game last season at Rugby Park with nine men, and it was only a McKenna header from a set piece that, um, that threatened yeah. their goal. To be honest, they never looked like scoring at eleven v nine. Kelly had the better chances, and this this game does feel like it sums up both St Johnston and Aberdeen really well, and St Johnston. Well, appalling defensively, like really, really, really poor defensively throughout the game. Looked as if they were desperate to give away a goal, making simple errors, and just it all felt. It didn't feel like a fundamentally broken thing. Just so many basic errors, which shouldn't happen. Um, and then at the same time, as you say, Craig, when when St Johnston went down to nine, I never had any moment where I was like Aberdeen will score here. Not a chance. Just so. Passive offensively. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of been the, the story of the, the season so far. I mean, the um, there's an unwillingness to kill teams off, and lots of you know lots of the real hardcore uh, stats nerds will point to low expected goals, low chance conversions, low chances created, and I don't think that's by. But as a product of how they're playing, I almost think that's by design. It's like you score, score, sit on it, hit the opposition, you know, hit teams on the break, and think you can see the results that they've had this season. Like now, dropped points against a horrendous St Johnston team twice, lost to St Mirren, uh, dropped points to a horrendous Hibs team, went out for the cup to to Hearts, but you know, comfortably beat Kelly, comfortably beat Motherwell, and. Um, the, you know, beating Ross County when they were in good form a couple of times because against slightly better teams that are willing to come and play, they, they can score and then hit them on the counter. And that's kind of what McInnes in season one was good at and that seems to be where, he, where he's reverted to. The 
he's also kind of caught between whether he plays his tried and tested formation or goes to 4-4-2, which is you went 4-4-2 for 60 odd minutes of this game. It was working fine. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't remarkable, but got significantly worse after Main yeah. came off somehow. Yeah, and I mean, there, there, there's question marks over whether Main's the right person to play the second striker role, and I'm firmly in the he's not uh, camp. But four four two seems to be the the best setup for Aberdeen at the moment with the personnel they've got and Craig Bryson not able to play more than about twenty minutes at a time. Well, so, people keep trying to kick his legs off. So uh, that's <laughs> oh, it doesn't help. Doesn't help. Um, but but there has been that there, there has been an unwillingness to kill teams off, and in the first half. Scored, you know, like Sam Cosgrove. It was a very good goal, but like we've touched on, huge question marks over the goalkeeping. Yes, and and the defender. I mean, to be to be fair, it is on his wrong foot and it's twenty odd yards out. But still, it's, it's a good strike. But it's to to me, it's miles out. It's not arrowed into the corner. It's a good strike, and I w- I would have been happy had Motherwell goalkeeper conceded that to have Xander Clark nominated as man of the match. Which I suppose probably is just about right, given that it was two absolute gangs playing football. Um, possibly fair, but yeah. Yeah, I and mean, I think that's um, now Sam Cosgrove in 38 goals in 71 games. I think Henrik Larsson did 50 in 89, so it's not impossible. <laughs> He's going to have to have another run just like he had it this time last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And it only needs 12 and 18. Not impossible. That would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, don't quote me on that, but it's something around that. No. that it's not, not a million miles off, which is just daft. Um, yeah, just a, a lack of a lack of willingness to go and uh, and scent blood a little bit. Yeah. Um, St Johnston scored their goal immediately. Decided to resort to violence, <laughs> and there had been a bit of that bubbling up in the first half. There were a couple of like. A couple of classes that were, you know, could have could have had bookings and were like go and um, I think Murray Davidson had one that could easily be in a booking when he took down Nell McGinn early early on and that that could have got a bit nasty but it, it was bubbling bubbling away but they found St Johnson found a bit of resilience and fight <laughs> that they've not had all yeah. season when they were down to nine men so you know they, they they've got something to cling on to. As always, Chris Kane turning the game. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we are off to record the Patreon where we're going to start trying to order the 99 Scotland internationals of this decade in an order from 99 to 1. <laughs> so, the first, nine or, the first 9 or 10 should be quite interesting because I've definitely forgotten someone and I'm looking forward to finding out exactly who that is. You can find out more about that and listen to our first of the the first round of those where we cleared up and got all the one pointers and the one capped players for this decade, um, which again is an alarming uh, look through history. You can subscribe to that at terracepodcast or sorry patreon.com slash terracepodcast. Uh, the guys will be back again on Thursday and there will be another episode of the TV show inspired by this podcast on television on Friday night. I said at 10 something last week, that was a fucking lie. Oh, 1060. 1060, yeah. <laughs> so that'll, that'll be back next week as well. So uh, thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.